Hi, this is Day for Night with Caridad Spitch, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry in the Edgelands, in the wilderness. In today's episode, I'm going to continue with uh, the series of notebooks uh, published under the umbrella title Signal Fires. Uh, this is published by Fuel and um, in collaboration with uh, Grey Eye Headlong English Touring Theater and edited by Maddie Costa. Uh, and I've, in the previous episodes, I've read from the first three notebooks. Uh, so today I'll read from the fourth notebook, which is entitled Spark. And uh, and I'm just going to read a section, not the whole thing, but a considerable section from the back end of um, of a piece by Nastasia Domaratska uh, called To Rage, R-A-G-E, To Rage. So this is from the starting about the middle of the piece. Uh, it's a short, it's a short play. Um, characters delineated A, B, and C. Um, but I'm going to look at uh, the character of C sort of creates sort of the last kind of monologue in the piece. And I'll start with a stage direction that contextualizes this. Histories are gone. Something new begins. Sea dances. It's a dance of the revolution. It's bloodless yet uncomfortable, as if madness met love. Exhaustion comes, then silence. And sea says, she ran fast past lakes and mountains and big cities, ran head spinning, legs breaking. She ran cold, then warm. Eyes open wide, no bruises, no dirt and empty streets, no cobbled scars or people freezing by the bin. So she stayed. Now she writes in her garden. At night the streets are still quiet, the birds asleep, her body wrapped in a blanket, soiled behind her nails, lip bitten, hands cold. It must be past midnight. She hums a melody, which... Once upon a time meant something to her, but now it is just a melody she hums. When sat in her garden past midnight, soil behind her nails, lips bitten, hand cold, one foot resting against her calf, she sighs. It's not long now till 1 a.m. It will be time to go, time to lift her toned calf off the chair, remember to blow out the candle, appreciate the view, and remember how dark and humid nights remind her of her childhood, father asleep on the deck chair, mother's sweat traveling down her neck as she places the dishes carefully on the rack, and she herself pressing her hands against the slightly wet ground, remembering her childhood, that time when earth breathed. She will think about that for a while, small hurt in her stomach and timid smile on her face. Then she will consider wearing shoes, but only for a second, because she knows too well how relaxed her feet are since they are no longer squashed and restricted 
Instead, they float on soil, melt into the ground, and they feel like they carry her. They do not drag, they direct her. Later, she will regret wearing no shoes when, distracted by the smell of summer rain at night, she will lean by the tree to take in a deep breath, see around her pictures she never gave herself permission to take with her eyes, and then she will step only for a second on the tree's root, which remembers the time before everything stopped for a second, just for a second. The root, sharp, takes just a second to cut through her skin, and it takes just a second to stop everything. She touches the cut to see how much it bleeds. The giant wood looks down at her, tired, yet thinking of how good it feels to just be allowed to exist with cuts, but not suffocated, to walk on earth undisturbed. She, on the other hand, begins to choke on her tears, like that time when she cut her thigh walking through the bushes on the anniversary of it all, of it stopping. Stop. Stops in the middle of the path now. It's not the color of the blood, the redness of it she finds comforting. The smell of it, though, so primal. Like that time during the anger when everyone's instincts were sharper, more primal, more overwhelming. This is why she cries. She remembers now when they shouted for space before setting themselves on fire. The rage that burnt them, even the tiny memory of it, vibrations down her spine. She sees the space they fought for with their bodies and grips the space they thought of in their dreams. What is the cost of a revolution, she murmurs. Soil is no sand. Trees are more present here, as if caressing the curve of the lake, asking it to stay this way forever. What is the cost of a revolution? It feels like forever since she felt this, thought about this, her rage always present, now bubbling with echo of trembling voices, forgotten days of stillness, when everything stopped and then came rage. The day anger began, brutal, bruised, burned, the day everything started collapsing. Maybe tonight she will take space, stand firmly, her legs wide apart. Her foot is no longer bleeding as she enters the wet sand. How could she possibly know it, though? that her foot is no longer bleeding as she enters the wet sand. How could she possibly know how to grieve for hundreds of thousands dead? How to navigate a world where there is so much to feel, yet so little to say? How to push your body against thousands of years of hatred and contempt? How to love? how to hate, how to scream, how to cry, how to listen, how to shout, how to come up for breath, lift your arms and say, maybe tonight she will take space, stand firmly, her legs wide apart, and speak of the day when the anger began and women stampeded through cities, the sun burning their arms. How could she possibly know that day would change everything? 
She stands here now, older and wiser, takes space, her legs wide apart, her feet cold against the sand, voices and faces familiar and warm. Anything could happen now. Floating beyond herself, beyond yourself, beyond ourselves. Seas around herself, touches, breaking and breaking away from each other. They no longer are. Taking and taking and taking and taking. A sound piercing from the past. So it was worth it, she thinks, as she digs her toes further into the sand, stands there, her legs wide apart, and breathes in. And then thinks, feels what it must be like, never having the need to scream. Because she knows, and yet doesn't, how to fight for your right to come up for some air, to push your body through centuries of pain and to keep building a room, to fit everyone in, to let everyone be heard, to listen, to relearn how to truly come up for air and say it's time. Moonlight half lighting their faces now, her eyes disappoint her so much. She wants to be able to see them, when tonight she speaks of what it is like to fight and bruise and run out of breath, to run out of words, places, and tears. Yes, tonight she will speak of what it feels like to relearn how to come up for air and say it's time to rage. A change, softness, the other two voices, A and B. A says, in the lands where I belong, and B says, and in the lands, I do not know. And that's from a piece called To Rage by Nastasia Domaratska. And uh, I think to close out this episode, I'm just going to read a poem. Um, uh, it's also from this um, collection, uh, notebook, I should say, called Spark uh, from Signal Fires. Um, this is um, just a, a poem. I, uh, I hope I'm saying the name right. Uh, forgive me if I'm not. Eilis, 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 Bevan Davis. Uh, the poem is called Finding Home. I know a place where people are, where they dream up new worlds, where they dance. I know a place where the sounds of humanity reverberate in the floorboards, where bodies jump and tumble and the people play. I've seen the space where strangers touch hands and their weapons are left at the door. I remember this room where walls listen and feet speak to the floor, where our garments and backpacks, those attachments we keep, they're disregarded. This is the space of encounters, 
of meeting another so deeply that it's only a matter of time before you clock eye to eye with your own inner being. I've seen a space where stories are told in abstract narrative, where we drop into the cycles like a tribe living in time. I've seen a space so full of people dancing, bodies and minds rolling, slowly morphing forward. I've been that space. My stomach is yearning. I'm hungry. It's empty. That space is weeping, inconsistent. The people keep aiming and missing. I know a place, it's breathing but sleeping. It's dreaming of footprints on grain and light shining through window pane. The space is grieving. It's waiting, building new ways and casting blessings on future passings. It's holding and wishing, gleaming to be needed, gearing up for a new beginning. And humankind will not reach it without gently retreating. And we've got to mean it and show it that we do believe in something greater than owning and buying. I know that the people are in their right place, that they're connecting in ways we never could comprehend. You see screens, they transcend its contact with no measure, a treasure of love and meaning. I see a place where the people are, where they live more simply and feel more complexly, where they are all seeing and knowing about connecting and being. I know the space where the people keep suggesting new ways of existing, surprising, unknowing, diving into questions, a space where you find wonder and start marveling at the splendor of how good it is to be breathing. You see, I know a place and the people are there. They're all emerging from hibernation, wrapping arms around elders and teaching their children through giving and receiving the gentle ebb and flow of living. We are that space and we'll keep on existing, treading lighter and kinder and finding home. And that's today's episode of Day for Night. As always, this is about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark, and I here wondering who you are. Thanks for listening to Day for Night.